Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the Asylum. Your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Thank you, Mark LeMay. Welcome into the asylum. We are Flieger and Briggs. You can hear us on fakepigskin.com. And we are heading into, boy, what a bye week. Some real heavy hitters on a bye this week, and I know that you guys have questions because I do. Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Los Angeles Chargers, Chicago, Cleveland, and New England all on a bye. And basically say for Cleveland, I mean, that there is not a team out there without some real legitimate heavyweight in the fantasy world. Hey, what is it you like to say, Rick? Uh other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Say. It's a it's a uh it's a matzo, big matzo ball hanging out there. But but what's more fun is getting to sit here a half an hour before we go on air and listen to Rick lament about this as if he didn't see it coming. So Exactly. Yeah. Hey, but we're back after our bye week. My apologies, my real life decided that it was more important than this show. For which I vehemently disagree, but it is what are you all right over? There? You're all tangled up and no, I'm just writing down things that you forgot to do. Oh, all right. And but before uh, that, Rick, there's so much to get into. Uh, a busy trade deadline, the the Zeke situation. We'll go over last week. Get you ready for this week, and I know there's going to be some ugly, ugly questions. There's going to be a lot of one thing I noticed we do, Rick, when I when I listen back to the show, is we get asked questions. We do a lot of this. Ugh. <laughs> Which sounds kind yeah. of bad on the radio, but be prepared. You're going to hear a lot of that today. But before that, Richard, if you could stop coloring over there in your adult coloring book, why don't we pay a few bills? Well, you know, I do like to color, and, uh, you know, it is by number and everything, and I, and I can understand that. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Fantasy friends, listen up, you know. Go to our favorite um, app. It's called Draft. It is daily it's daily play, and I mean it is. It's by it's easy, and and you just put it on there. It's best ball, and it's great. And um, you, you know the we we kind of pitched the um the free thing early on for new subscribers, Rick, and, and I tell you what, it it's just a blast. You've turned your free three dollars into four million, I think, and we're, we're well on the way to that yacht, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. But Took I mean, lost last week, so right now I'm still yeah. at dinghy money, but I'm working on yacht money. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, here's here's how it works. I mean, you draft your team and you're done. You don't worry about injuries. You don't worry about any of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you don't even have to set a lineup. Your best players get automatically selected, and you'll get the best score every single week, and you just don't worry about it anymore. And uh, you can draft anytime you want, and leagues start as low as 3 bucks, And, um, you know, you're playing for real money. So get on there, and, uh, you know, you get to the App Store, and you go to 
draft. Yeah, you can remember that, right? And I assume we can still use the promo code. I don't know what you get out of it, but use that promo code fake picks. If you haven't signed up yet, I don't know what the heck you're doing, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, the season's half over. Go over there, sign up, win some real cash, draft that team. All right, Rick, let's get into it. When did the NFL trade deadline become a thing, Rick? What I, I don't understand. I don't know, a couple of days ago, I guess. <laughs> it is so weird. It used to mean nothing. I mean, it used to be just absolutely meaningless. Now, all of a sudden, huge trades all over the board. Let's start off with the, the biggest one, the one I was most surprised with. Jimmy Garoppolo traded to the 49ers for a second-round pick. Don't know what this means in the short term. Now, Brian Hoyer signed with the signed with the Patriots here. Uh, this afternoon, I believe, we're recording this on Wednesday, so no surprise on that. Jimmy Garoppolo not going to play this week. Do you see much of an impact the rest of this season? We can talk about the rest of the 49ers in Garoppolo's career as we go on, but this season, do we see a bump for Pierre Garçon, for the running backs, anybody like that? I I'm don't really think so. I mean, and the funny part is, is – New England signs Brian Hoyer to a three-year deal, <laughs> which is right. kind of, which is kind of funny. Why wasn't he just part of the deal? I didn't. Yeah, why didn't they just? Tra- I know exactly. There but, must have been a method to it. I don't know yeah. what it was. But I, I don't know. I, I a quarterback going to a brand new system. It's not like a running back. Here's the ball, run. Right. I, I mean, this guy needs. You know, he needs to take control of the locker room. He needs to get that team behind him and. It's possible. I mean, look, they don't have anything there. And, and he comes in and all of a sudden rifles a few passes and, you know, hey, that one's on me, whatever. Right. The team has some confidence. Yeah, he, could, he could make a difference. Well, he's got to be an upgrade over C.J. Beathard, right? I you mean, that's, think. that's a low bar. But what you wonder long term, you look at it, look, everybody, you know, this is the guy everybody was after. And I know Cleveland, we'll talk more about Cleveland later on here in the headlines. But I know their coaching staff was upset that, that they couldn't get on, involved in that at the price point that, that he ended up going. What you have to ask yourself, he's looked really good in the preseason, right? And he looked really right. good in the two games he's played for the, for the New England Patriots. Matt Castle went 11-5 and with that team. You know, Drew yeah. Bledsoe was aight after he left, but he wasn't. I, just These quarterbacks who yeah, leave but you here. Gotta, who you look, also have to remember Drew Bledsoe got – murdered on the well, sideline yeah. i don't think he would he's reminded me that hit on drew bledsoe reminded me on the pete rose hit on ray fossey at the plate which is way before your time in the all-star game that basically knocked him cold and ray fossey was never an, an all-star after that he right. was just not the same person i think that was the same thing with drew bledsoe yeah, but but matt castle's the one that really hangs yeah. up he took that team to 11 and 5 yeah. he won 11 games with Bill Belichick, and it was never the same after that, after he left time. He got the big money, good for him. He was never even a, a good NFL quarterback. So it'll be curious to see who Jimmy Garoppolo really is. It, it'll be interesting. Uh, the big one here, Rick, uh, listen, Scott Fish is weeping as Ajayi is on his way out of town into Philadelphia. It, it was a weird deal, Rick. Why would you break this one down for me and, and what it means? Well, number one, and I was going to hit on it with um, the stinky socks, but you you just knew Adam Gase was done with this guy. And, and if you watch that game, that Baltimore Miami game, I don't know what I don't know what IJE was doing, 
But when it came to protecting Matt Moore, he basically refused to do thing, do it. And they were throwing blitzes, and either A, he doesn't know what he's supposed to do, or B, he didn't want to do it. <laughs> because he interested. was not going to block anyone coming in there. And quite frankly, his running wasn't any good either. Yeah, you wonder. It's always amazing. This guy, really, he built his bones last year on those two back-to-back 200-yard games. Right? That's that's when he became, you know. Ajayi. That, that's where exactly. we knew his name and how you get yourself on the soundboard here at the asylum. However, there wasn't much beyond that. What, what doesn't make – it makes plenty of sense for me to Miami – for Miami to get him out of there. And, and let's preface this by – who was all on board with IJE in 2017 and who it. wasn't? I admit it. You know, but I agree with oh, you. No more point. You just <laughs> wanted to remind me yes. that that was somebody I had as an RB1. And I'll tell you what, you think it's a good situation going in. What I'm curious about, is this coach speak? Is this what you would expect a coach to say? Or is this something that, that's telling for you where when asked after this deal's made, that Peterson says he doesn't expect Blunt's or Smallwood's workload to change. And when he was pushed on it, the guy asking the question said, well, where does Ajayi fit in? And he says, well, I don't know. We'll have to see. That's curious to me. That you, you just wonder where he fits in. I, I've heard some folks excited because he's going to a better team, going into a better offense with, with a much better quarterback, obviously. I don't think I have to. That I'm breaking any news there. But you just wonder, where does he fit in? It, the offense is working as it is. You wonder what their plans would be for him. I don't buy for a second that nobody's workload changes. That That's absolute nonsense. But you just wonder how much of that workload Ajayi's going to see. It's got to affect Wendell Smallwood, right? You would think, but his role, they're trying, in my opinion, unsuccessfully. I expected a lot more from Smallwood. They're trying well, they, to work him into that Sproles it, role. Well, exactly, but he's not Darren Sproles. Yeah, but he's not He's not Ryan Matthews neither either. Is. He's a type, he's closer to a Blunt than a Smallwood to me, right? But that's the, that's the thing. I mean, that was the point I was going to make. Yeah, he's not a Darren Sproles, but this guy's a legitimate running back right. that can carry the load of a team. I mean, he did it last year. He was inconsistent. We, we mentioned that, but he got the workload game after game after game. Ryan Tannehill and Jarvis Landry didn't take that team to the playoffs. That was all in the back of the defense in the running game right. last year. So that's what's curious. Here's what I'm afraid of. What I think we have, to answer my own question, I think we have us a New England Patriots situation. I honestly thought by the time we were having this discussion that Blunt was going to be cut and he'd be back in New England. I, I for all the world, believe that. But any, every indication is that's not going to happen. So I think you're going to see early in games – Ajayi and Blunt split and work. If somebody gets it rolling, which as we know, Rick, you've lamented it a lot on this show, it never gets rolling when you're bouncing back and forth between two and three guys all the time. But maybe they play the hot hand, but I still think Blunt's your goal line back. I just, there'll, there'll be a role 
for Ajayi. I don't buy Peterson saying nobody's role changes. There will be a role for him, but I don't think it's going to be a significant one. Maybe next year, you know, this might be something to be excited about for next year. Carson Wentz is rolling. That offense is doing well, and now you have him coming in fresh. That was going to be my point. I was going to wrap all these headlines up with, but we'll say it now. These mid-season trades in the NFL have very little impact. You know, we saw that big boom from Adrian Peterson the first week after he was traded to Arizona and what happened after that, right? I mean, it was right back down to earth. You know right. what I mean? So, oh, I agree. So I don't expect any impact this season. Now, next season, you might have my attention. That may be something I'd be making that same argument that you wouldn't buy into, and I guess correctly right now, this preseason, next preseason is when this may have an impact. Yeah, and, I mean, they're talking about the roles of LeGarrette Blunt won't change, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this team is scoring at a prolific, prolific rate. I mean, you can't run through them, but just their last – okay, last game, they, they scored 33. Before that, 34, 28, 34. I mean, this is the kind of points they put up week after week. This is Garrett Blunt's yardage. I mean, he had 136 yards against um, the Chargers. Other than that, he's never been over 74 yards. Right. Yeah, it's They're been not. Quiet. He's not the bell cow that you would think a, a Garrett Blunt is capable of. Are they looking for that? Or are they looking just to throw yet another wrinkle in this offense that can basically score at will? I don't know. Well, that's what you wonder. You'd think, yeah, they don't have that bell cow back, right? Garrett Blunt hasn't ended up being that, which I don't think too Maybe many, they don't want one. Exactly. I don't think too many people expected him to be, but if you did, it, he hasn't rounded into that. We all said he's not going to score double-digit touchdowns like he did in New England. That's just the way New England rolls. He you has three for the year. Yeah, you can't replicate that, the, the things New England does. You, you just can't do it. That being said, when you list off the way they've been scoring and the way Carson Wentz has been playing and what Zach Ertz has been doing, I don't think they need and or want the, I'm doing the air quote thing, a bell cow back. You want a threat of a running game. It's nice to have those pieces when you get in. You're playing in the NFC East when you're playing in December, right, in late December, and there's a sloppy track and it's miserable out and you can't fling the ball all around the yard. But for the most part, that's not who they are. That's not what their identity is. No, but from a fantasy perspective, that that's the real, you know, that's the real conundrum now. If you're a fantasy owner, I mean, even with Miami playing bad, okay, Ije, he he's in your starting lineup. Right now, it's like, ew, you know, gee, do I start him or do I start freaking Jonathan Stewart? I don't know. You know, I mean, until yeah. you really even know how they're going to use him, he could turn into a very insignificant back because he hasn't been spectacular by any stretch of imagination this year. No, I, you wonder, is he not healthy? Is that, I've never had any indication. That doesn't mean right. he's not. We've never had any indication that he was a bad locker room guy, you know, a bad hustle guy, a bad teammate guy. So when you point out what you saw on Thursday night with him basically dodging linebackers versus blogging them, is he not healthy, number one? You know, that's a question you have to ask. I think best-case scenario, what we're dealing with here is a New England. What we're dealing with here is a Cincinnati, right? We've got three backs right now. Right. And, yeah, they're all going to touch the ball, but from a fantasy standpoint, there's nobody you can trust. And you're going to sit Blunt down, or you're going to sit Ajayi down, and one week they're going to score, you know, 
25 fantasy points, you're going to be kicking yourself. What are you going to do? You're going to put him in your lineup the next, next week, week, and he's going to touch the ball six times. Right. I mean, this is just the situation that's been created. I presume LeGarrette Blunt isn't there next season. This will be a good off-season topic, but for right now, he's on your bench. He is relegated to your bench. I saw people on the Twitter celebrating this, Ajayi owners. I think this is a disaster. As bad as it's been in Miami, it's going to be worse in Philadelphia. It almost has to be. I would think so. I agree 100%. I mean, it's – and let's face it, it's it's a new offense. I mean, it, it's – I dare say it's probably easier for a running back. I mean, they hand off the ball on many plays basically the same way. Right. And, it, I mean, it's not like a quarterback or even a wide receiver. I mean, you know, ask Ocho Cinco going to a new right, system. Right, And – but but that's where my first thought was LeGarrette Blunt had fallen out of favor in Philadelphia because he fell out of favor everywhere he ever yeah. went except for New England. But, but then when Pete, they haven't cutted him, cut it, cut it him. Yeah, they haven't cutted him. I'm a broadcast professional. They hadn't cut, haven't cut him as of today. And you have the coach coming out saying, no, no, he's keeping his workload. He's still my guy. So there's no indication that that's the case. So that tells me that Ajayi, if anything, is just another guy in that rotation right now. All right. I All agree. right. Well, let's move on, Rick. I'll just make the announcement. I'll step back. This is your account, Rick. This is. I don't know if it hurts you, if it helps you, if it makes you sad, if it makes you happy. Let's go. It's Skyline. For Mr. Briggs, Kelvin Benjamin traded from the Carolina Panthers to the Buffalo Bills for a ham sandwich and a bag of rocks. Yeah, I mean – what is it in Carolina where they got rid of Calvin Benjamin for what a third and a seven? Third and a seven. It'll end soon. I know you can't talk when the music. Yeah, in the back. well, it's just. I mean, it's just too long. You know, I like these kind. Ajayi. It's about how your mind. Was. Yeah, exactly. Like Very simple. Nothing well, dragging. there's no doubt. I mean, I'm I am a Neanderthal. And there's no question about that. But Calvin Benjamin, this this to me, Rick, is you – know, I've, I've thought a lot about this because, you know, I, I jumped all over this kid when he's a rookie. Oh, and he's been your man crush for three years now. This, this is a very interesting deal. This is something that's going to tell me that Calvin Benjamin is one of these type of receivers that can improve an offense and really step up. Or, you know, and, and that being said, you know, Buffalo probably wasn't my ideal pick, obviously, with their passing game. But Tyrod Taylor can wing it. And, and, you know, he's proven that before when he had Sammy Watkins there. If he proves to be a big play guy like I think he's capable of doing, I think what what the interesting part is – was he just a um, a product of – and I hate saying it because he's had some, some good stats. But Cam Newton's been bad this year. Right. The, the offense has not been good. The, the passing game has been – we've talked about this many times. You know, I know Greg Olson got hurt early on in the year. But even last year, Benjamin, Devin Funches, Greg Olson, huge targets – Great, great hands, and and their their 
offense is just not dynamic at all. Yeah, there's just something. Still underutilizing McCaffrey, yeah. in my opinion. You know, he's getting right. seven, eight, nine catches, which makes him fine in a PPR. But not he hasn't changed the face of that but offense. What, does it, what would it tell you? I mean, this is why it's very interesting to me. What would it tell you if Calvin Benjamin goes there? Now, granted, it's the middle of the year. But say this is week eight of next year. And say right now he's got whatever, 45 catches for 600 and some yards, maybe five, eight, six touchdowns, something like that. What does, what would that tell you about like Carolina? I mean, what are their prospects? Well, what I think what it is, the, the reports I saw, I looked into this a lot because this one made, of all the moves made, this one made the, the least amount of sense to me when you looked at it. And I don't know I, – I honestly feel – I don't know what it says about Kelvin Benjamin. I really don't. There's some sort of power struggle down there in Carolina. What I read, it was either Schefter or Rappaport, one, one of the big guys. I, I wish I remembered who it was, but I don't. That the report was the previous GM that they, that they just shuffled out. He was a Benjamin guy. He was a Rick right. Briggs and wanted to get him re-signed. The new regime wasn't sold on him. The, so the new regime wanted rid of him. And whatever, I don't know if his deal's up after 18 or after 9. I don't know when his deal's up. But whatever they got from Buffalo, because apparently Buffalo was the only team they talked to about Benjamin. It wasn't like he was on the block and and there was some big bidding war for him. And whatever they got from Buffalo, that third and that seventh, was more than they were going to get back compensatory when he left. And the way that was worded to me indicated that one of two things. I guess it's always that, but I found it interesting. Either they wanted rid of him and wanted to maximize what they could get, or they they knew Benjamin wasn't going to resign. If you're already talking a year and a half out about what you're going to get back compensatory and trying to get ahead right. of that, it makes you want. The, the, here's the only thing I can figure, and I, I have this on no authority, nothing. We, we've seen, albeit brief, we've seen flashes finally from Funches this year, right? These are two very similar guys, right? You're not, not speed burners, not, but big guys, you know. <laughs> hands are lacking but I think in theory their scouting reports would tell you good hands you just wonder what it leaves them then now Rick and plus if you add in McCaffrey a bunch of smaller quicker wide receivers is that the direction their offense is going and you don't need a Funchess and a Benjamin so you got Benjamin dealing with the knee issues you got him coming up on a contract plus whatever the disagreement was between the previous management and the current management I think it just all came together but I honestly believe this is just you. your offense doesn't utilize these guys, to your point earlier, these big receivers. Even before Funches showed up, didn't really – even when Kelvin Benjamin had his good year, when you fell right. in love with him, it was still fairly muted. You know, we thought it would increase exponentially, which it didn't. But maybe that's the guy he is. You bring in Funches, who does the same thing, and that's not your offense. You don't need – I don't – Believe me, don't ask me why you wouldn't want two big receivers. Right. But if that's not who you are, that's the only thing I can figure on this. And when you you look at him going to Buffalo, look, again, it's not a great situation. Tyrod Taylor is Tyrod Taylor. But you saw when Sammy Watkins was healthy and things were going well for them, which they're going well in Buffalo right now, we're going to find out, maybe not this year, maybe not for four weeks or, or whatever it takes, we're going to find out who Kelvin Benjamin is. He should succeed here. This is – I don't like the move in the middle of the year. Luckily, I'm not a Benjamin owner in any leagues because I'm in all the leagues with you and you draft him before me every time. 
But but what's going to be you know it, it's a it's bad timing middle of the year. But I think we're going to find out who he is because he should have every opportunity to succeed up there, and I think that should maximize his number because he's going to be the guy. You, go ahead and name another Bills wide receiver short of Jordan Matthews, and you, you're talking about two very different skill sets. Oh, exactly. Those are two guys who can coexist in an offense, right? He's going to have a chance to be the guy and put up some of those ridiculous Sammy Watkins games we saw when Sammy Watkins was rolling good in Buffalo. Well, and, that, and that's the thing, especially with the, with Charles Clay being injured like he is. You're Tyrod Taylor. You, you've already got Shady. you got a nice running, you know, a nice um, uh, running game and catch the ball out of the backfield. You got Jordan Matthews back healthy, but on the other side of him, you have Zay Jones. Now you're Tyrod Taylor. Okay, I've got Jordan Matthews ooh, and Calvin Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah, you, you start feeling a little bit better right. about your offense, yeah, I would think. I think so. And, and I don't think ever, and you may, may be short of offensive and defensive linemen, you're not going to see the big pop right away. But by week 12, week 13, yeah, right now Buffalo's a playoff team as they roll into December and January. Yeah. Yeah, I'm rooting for them. Hopefully they make the playoffs. He could be a difference maker up there. He really could. Yeah, they have a huge game this week against the Jets. And, you know, that's not a given. Jets aren't as good a team, but, you know, it's a division game. They've been very competitive this year. And, um, you know, Buffalo gets to 6-2. and two. You know, if they can pull this off on Thursday night, I tell you what, they're they're sitting pretty yeah, tied you're... tied with New England. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? You know, right off the bat there. I, so. I wouldn't have thunk it. I'll exactly. You that. So the other side of this one, Rick, not the believer. I actually heard. I, I don't oh, want to stop. Go ahead. But I actually heard. We we talk about some of our little sayings. That, you know, that we say who'd have thunk it. You know, I mean, my grandmother used to say yeah, that. Yeah. You know, and things like that. Actually, heard an announcer on the radio say he catched it. Oh, like I just did. No, you said cut it or whatever. Oh, cut it, yeah. Whatever, but he catched it. I like it. And he was not being, you know, like facetious. No, good. I like that. Because that's how stupid people like me talk, and I like to hear other stupid people talk. Yeah, I should have recorded it that's for how we, That's how we do this show together. Exactly. If you were over there all intelligent and stuff. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> so real quick, on the other side, what's this mean for Devin Funches, Rick? Well, obviously, I think he is promoted basically to the number one receiving situation. What that does, and I may be totally wrong, but I saw that that last loss where Cam Newton walked out of the press conference again. I'm getting a little tired of that bit. I defend him a lot. I'm done. It really makes me wonder if Cam Newton and Calvin Benjamin didn't like it didn't, together. Maybe. Or weren't, weren't a good match. Because, you know, Benjamin says, hey, I'm better than this. Cam Newton says, this is my offense, blah, blah, blah. Possibly. This is all hypothesis, yeah. of course. But, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. And Devin Funches, made, he's young enough. He just may be fine that, hey, I'm going to get me some Calvin Benjamin numbers. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I think by default, look, right now I don't think Devin Funches is a very good wide receiver. I, I really don't. 
No. But you're the number one guy in an offense on a team that somehow is at or above 500, right? Yeah, five so you figure three. he's been good. Even in his good week, right, he was only good for four catches. He was just fine in the end zone, which is what made it good for him. But he's still going to have his four catches. And what was Benjamin good for? Five, six a week probably. I don't have his numbers in front. It doesn't really matter. I think almost by default, especially absent Greg Olson, now absent Kelvin Benjamin, He's a seven-catch-a-game type of guy right now, Rick. I don't know what the yardage will be if he can get, find his way back to the end zone. They really struggle. Cam Newton wants to run everything in. But I think if you're looking at a guy who's almost a lock for seven catches a week, which I feel like he may be, that's a mid-range wide receiver, too, for me now. I mean, yeah. it's I had him on my bench you know, putting my lineups together Tuesday morning, and then this goes down. He's back in flex spots for me in PPR formats. I think you can write down six or seven grabs. He he's a mid range wide receiver too. Somebody's going to have go- to catch it. Exactly. Who's left? And I mean, Greg Olson was what a hundred catch guy, right? Yeah, ninety ninety to a hundred catch guy. Calvin Benjamin right now is at thirty two. He was on pace for what maybe sixty five catches, something like that. The receivers don't seem to be nearly. No, Cam Newton's favorite targets. Right, right. But I think by default, you know, you know, in a normal situation, in a normal offense, you take a guy like Benjamin out, I'd be doing cartwheels excited about Devin Funches, right? No, my God, this guy's a lock for, you know, DeAndre Hopkins type of targets. I grant you that's not going to happen, but I think just by default, you're looking at it five, six, seven more targets a game. If he can even turn around half of those, which seems to be his M.O., he'll catch about half of them. You're looking at a six, seven, eight, eight catch a game guy. That's a mid-range wide receiver, too, for me, and easily, easily putting him in a flex spot every week. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, I think it's just such a boost for Funches. Right. If he can deliver, that's great for, yeah. for owners. Either way, I think his stock's rising, period. Yeah, yeah, it has to. All right, let's move off of that. A couple more here, Rick. You're Browns, Rick. What are they doing? <laughs> you know, like, are I, these stories true? Do you think? Before I don't even know what stories you're okay. you're going to right now. But before I got the studio, I texted our old buddy, uh, country singer songwriter Johnny Reed Foley, oh, okay. who's a Cleveland Brown. Well, I didn't fan. know you guys were text buddies. Oh, sure. Nice. You know, and I said, remember the the conversation we had back in week two where. We said that Cleveland was, you know, looked better and was playing hard. So I said, I take it back. <laughs> and he wrote back, he says, I le- legitimately cannot watch them. He says, <laughs> no, it's, it's too it? painful. So, Rick, they had a deal done with the Bengals, mm. as you know, for A.J. McCarron. A.J. McCarron, late paperwork. And they got the paperwork in early. Stories coming out now. And I check because I first saw it on the tweeters. So you never, I don't believe anything I read there. There are legitimate news sources reporting that the Bengals got the paperwork to the Browns in time. They were celebrating the trade and forgot to send the paperwork to the NFL, and the NFL didn't accept it when they got it. That, that sounds too crazy to be true, but if that's true, what a bunch of nincompoops. I can't come up with a better word. So Cincinnati forgot to send it. No, no. Or Cleveland forgot. I don't know how the paperwork worked, but the way I read it, here was my understanding of it. They come up with a deal. 
the Bengals must have had to sign something and send it to the Browns. All right. Okay. The Browns got it. They were popping champagne and dropping it like it's hot. And then at 402, somebody goes, oh, crap, we better send this to the league. <laughs> it got in late. And the league said, you're finished. Get that out of here. No deal. How does that happen? I know it can't be true, can it? Can we not get a job during this class's could, job? Yeah, I can handle it. I'll do it. I'll get it in on time. And they had, they have all these analytics nerds in there now. We're going to talk about analytics a little bit later here in the show. That's who they have, a bunch of nerds. You'd think they'd be all over that. How does this – I mean, it's I, crazy. I have to call Hugh Jackson and say, look, Hugh, yeah, if you want to make a deal, I'll, I'll get it done for you. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll put the paperwork in. You guys pop the champagne. I'll see right. you later. Yeah. And relative to what they make, you work for nothing. Oh. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you'd have to move to Cleveland. That would kind of suck. But yeah, for that kind of money, no problem. Well, yeah. It's not that far. Yeah. Just, just unbelievable. You wonder what it says, though, that the Cincinnati Bengals were willing to trade A.J. McCarron within the division Tells you what the Bengals actually think about AJ McCarron, and as big of a, what they think about Cleveland. Yeah, and as big of a joke as that franchise has been over the years, that you know tells me they're they're hanging, you know, passing the trash to to their division rivals. All right, and last thing, I don't even want to talk about because it it's going to change three times before this show comes out. But as of now, Zeke Elliott's been denied that injunction. Looks like he's going to serve the six-game suspension, but now they, they appeal to the Second Circuit. They're expected to rule on Friday. Then we find out that the judge who denied the injunction is married to one of the lawyers who negotiated the CBA for the NFL. So there's that going on. Yeah. This is a soap opera of which. So, I don't know, he might play, he might not. I hope like hell he does, but I don't have any idea. And I don't I, want to spend any time talking about no, it. No, I mean, we'll just wait for all this to play out. When he plays, you'll have him in your lineup. Right. When he's not, yeah. your guess is as good as mine if anyone is worth anything yeah. in the Dallas backfield. You know, during bye weeks, Alfred Morris right now, you know, I assume they're they're going to activate McFadden in absence of Elliott. You know, there's, you would think. there's some rumblings about that Smith kid. I don't know. I don't think anybody, you know – Early on, until it doesn't work, I think Alfred Morris is probably startable, especially as we go through bye week hell over these last couple of weeks. You know, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but nobody's – here's the thing. I well, with Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon, Melvin Gordon, Jordan Howard, even Crowell and Duke Johnson – and maybe uh, you know, maybe a white for New England. You're starting. I mean, there's a lot of starters yeah. off this yeah, week. It's gonna you be real be easy. It's gonna be real easy and feel good about starting <laughs> Alfred Morris yeah. this week, right? There's gonna be no argument there. But my takeaway with that, let let's say they just declared Alfred Morris is our guy. We cut all the other running backs. We're okay. gonna take all the guesswork out of it. You look at Ezekiel Elliott's numbers, and what I'm about to say is going to sound really stupid, which is common on this show. Right. It feels to me like, Rick, it's been a struggle for Ezekiel Elliott this year. He's doing it on a lot of carry. It's not these big bursts and running through these, you know, three offensive linemen holes that he did last season. We'll actually find out how good of a running back he really is. He wasn't just a product of that offensive line. And his ability to slip through holes and make guys mitts and get off a first contact. I don't think anybody, whoever it is, take that one guy's coming in there who's going to have a lot of success. That offensive line in, in Dallas isn't what it was. And the numbers Ezekiel Elliott's put up this year, save for the San Francisco game, which was so absurd, I think you can throw right. that out. This has been 
been all Zeke Elliott this year. He hasn't been a product of that offensive line, which isn't going to benefit a Morris, a McFadden, a Smith, whoever it ends up being. I agree. But, you know, look at Alfred Morris. And I'm not comparing him to Zeke Elliott, well, obviously. No, no. But, I mean, this is a thousand-yard guy. He's a pro running back. He's from a, a Washington Redskins team that wasn't very good at all right. during yeah. those years. And if they start opening some holes – he doesn't have a whole lot of mileage on him, quite frankly. He's not that old yet. It seems like he's been around forever, but he's really not that old. I still think he could be a legitimate starter if Elliott goes out. He could be. I think he's a four-yard-a-carry guy in that offense. And, and he's got the, he demonstrated the ability with Washington to get it in the end zone if they get down around the goal line. So it becomes a matter of what his workload is, right? But what you're not going to have is those big runs that turn Ezekiel Elliott's, you know, four-yard-a-carry games into five-and-a-half-yard-a-carry games. That's no, and I don't think anybody expects that except every dimwit in every league that I own Elliott in trying to trade me Alfred Morris for every everything I own, including my socks, you know, these jackasses, but well, yeah, but he, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be good enough, but yeah, I just don't know. I think we're, they're going to get in that dreaded situation where it's going to be a little slow rolling with Alfred Morris, where if that's Ezekiel Elliott and it's a half and he's struggling, obviously they're going to stick with him. If you get halfway through the second quarter and Alfred Morris is averaging two and a half yards of carry, here comes McFadden. Right. And then here comes Smith. And then here comes the beer guy in 204. And nobody gets anything going. And I think that's how it ends up happening. We'll see. I mean, I, I'd like to see – you know, I would like to think one of these guys that, you know, you always used to be a Darren McFadden guy. If he, could ju- if he could just stay healthy. Yeah, he was a 1,000-yard guy a couple years ago. I mean, you could probably get him off of Dallas for a bag of potato oh, chips. Easily. I mean, they don't even care if he's on the team. And generic chips. You right. know, they wouldn't have to be there. Like, all these stuff. Uns- you know? Unsalted. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who eats that? I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell you, if you eat unsalted potato chips, delete this show and unsubscribe <laughs> right now. Right. We will have no nothing to do with you. No. I mean, I do not. I, I just don't. I mean, go to fakepigskin.com. Okay. Go to the bottom of the of the home page and it says meet the our pigskin or however it's worded. You know, right. meet the staff basically, and go down to Rick Fligger and Rick Briggs. Read our profiles, and you will know that we will have none none of this. And if you we, eat kale unsubscribe to I don't know what the hell kale is, but I'm tired of hearing you douches talk about it. I don't know. Kale's okay. I yeah, mean, but people who eat kale love to tell you they eat kale. Well, yeah. That's my problem. Yeah, I mean, I eat, I eat kale way before people even heard of it. Yeah. What, Just what is because, it, like seaweed it, or something? No, it's it's a real dark, leafy green vegetable. Yeah. So it's like spinach to, or something. Yeah, but it's tougher than spinach. It's, it's more on the line of, say, like um, collard or mustard greens, I would guess. Yeah, I've never had any a of that A little tougher. Either. I lived in the South for years. Yeah. I eat that stuff yeah, all the time. you eat all kind of different stuff. It's yeah, very good. I like Quit telling us because they kale. make all the collard green stuff down south, bacon. Well, yeah, they just bake. It's great and bacon. Oh, everything and awesome. All their vegetables they just fry in yeah. bacon grease. Actually, if I lived in Alabama, <laughs> I'd eat vegetables too. Oh yeah, as it is in Western Pennsylvania, <laughs> I eat vegetables three months a year when corn on the cobs in season, and that's the last vegetable I eat. Now, if we started cooking it all in bacon grease, I might be a damn vegetarian. Who knows? Hey, bacon makes everything taste better. Absolutely. Man. All right, Rick. Move, let's let's move on here real quick. Uh, got any takeaways from Week Eight? Oh, there are takeaways and there are takeaways. And I just, 
I'm still amazed at the Miami-Baltimore game. <laughs> I, I really am. I mean, I saw an implosion of an impotent offense. I mean, everybody talked about, you know, Jay Cutler's really not bringing – you, you see the difference with Jay Cutler. That team was so lame, it was unbelievable. They, they made Baltimore look like the 85 Bears. Ajayi, yeah. <laughs> he didn't even look like he wanted to be out in the field. No, no, he was very disinterested. And he probably wasn't the only guy. And this team, for, for all the, the makings of a play, the, the playoff team they were last year, they're not half the team they were – then, and they're sitting at four and three, and that is absolutely the worst four and three team I've ever seen. They kind of did it last year with smoke and mirror. You remember somebody put up that graphic? Was it during that game or, or the game the week before? Where from some point of last season, midway through last season, to whatever point that was in this season, they were the winningest team in the NFL. And I can't for the life of me, Rick, explain how that happened. It was just, you know, what I'd really like to know. My takeaway from that game, yeah, we don't want to sit here and focus on every game why is it some quarterbacks backup quarterbacks in this league can come into a game in relief and look really good but with first time they have to start we get what we got out of Matt Moore last week and he is one of those guys he comes in relief in New York cut brings them back and wins that game or no I'm sorry uh Atlanta yeah it was the Atlanta game right and it doesn't matter anyhow and there's been guys Scott Mitchell you know if you want to stick you know, in the with a that thing these guys who come in in relief they're really good anytime they have to come in in relief and you give a team one week to game plan from them they can't get the ball over the line of scrimmage that that's who that's who Matt Moore is that is why i think history has forgotten just how damn good Earl Morrill was all right he took over for an ailing Johnny Unitas in Baltimore, and I don't know the exact how many weeks he carried them to the Super Bowl. They lost to the Jets, but I mean that was almost a, a, just a, a predestined game. It just yeah. you know what I'm saying. But he took them to the Super Bowl. Okay, a lot of people don't remember the perfect season. Bob Greasy didn't hardly play that year. Earl Morrill right. was a quarterback until, the, I think, the playoffs or, or, you know, or halfway through the playoffs, whatever. That's a guy that came in. He goes, all right, you know, get on my back, guys, because here I am. We're fine. And, I mean, for, you don't find many backup quarterbacks that are happy to be a backup, right. yet when duty calls – they're the starter yeah. for 12 weeks. It yeah. doesn't matter. And more, he can't start. Now, if, if so that's what I'd, I would drag Jay Cutler's carcass out there for one quarter anytime he's hurt, then yank him, put more in, Matt Moore will win the game. Yeah. If a team knows he's starting, <laughs> yeah. forget about it. All right, I'm going to move away from football for just one minute, Rick. I'm sure I'm okay. going to irritate you. But I want to talk about the World Series. By the time you hear this, we know who won. We're recording just about an hour before Game 7 starts. I got out of baseball. I gotten away from baseball, Rick, and for a myriad of reasons we don't have to talk about. But this series has gotten me sucked in. It has been so entertaining. What? First of all, I know you're not going to like this, Rick, because my favorite new bit is Rick Briggs has become an internet troll, in case you didn't know. Okay. 
if you mention the word baseball on Twitter and Rick Briggs sees it, he will bombard you with tweets about how boring baseball is. I swear to God, you could have a kid, an eight-year-old, who just overcame some life-threatening disease, and if you tweet out a not if you tweet out a picture of little Junior recovered from whatever. Today's his first Little League game. The first response you're going to get is from Rick Briggs saying, baseball's boring. <laughs> that is not we true. We have been mired in some that is not chain true. of conversation that you quit responding to for four days because you said baseball was boring and all the seam heads are freaking out and adding us nonstop all day, every day. So bear with me, Rick. I only say all that because I know you hate this conversation. Actually, I I have enjoyed the World Series. Then quit attacking people. No, because I just I was attacked first, and I don't even know what you're referring to. But I but I do not attack unless I'm I'm bitten first. So obviously the games have been great, Rick. Right? For As the a most matter part. of fact, I think I do know what you're talking about. When the troll actually interrupted the conversation I had with a guy. Because oh, you said the Stanley Cup was better, and he said the baseball was – was that that we one? Were ta- yeah, we were talking about um, – oh, what was it? Something to do with football. I can't oh, – oh, it was about Houston ripping off the – the decals of oh yeah you got thing. you got involved in that too and, and so I just said you know whatever I, I just threw out a take like you know I, I don't agree with defacing the company's property blah 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 however the NFL save for maybe the Stanley Cup playoffs is still the best game going basically saying I'm not boycotting anything anybody who says they are is lying exactly all right I'm with you exactly. And that's, this is like a conversation between me and you, all right. okay? And then all of a sudden, Rich Bowser decides to get into it, and it wasn't, I mean, Rich, you know. Might but, as well. That's who we use when we're describing you <laughs> subhumans. Yeah. That's yeah. the name we like a to A troll right. on Twitter saw mine and says, baseball is much better than football. So I just wrote back, yes, if you want a nap. See, then this is what you do. Well, like I but, said, don't post a picture of little Timmy's first little league game. Little Rick Timmy, I no, I won't. I mean, but you know, don't sit there and jump into my conversation <laughs> when you had nothing to do with it, troll. <laughs> Anyhow, this is a long way back around to this. So the games have been in. Now you're getting me fired up. I this see is. This. He's slamming his coffee cup around. So the games have been entertaining, but I don't have to tell you that. And I'm not going to sit down and break the. But what I'm hoping comes out of this series, and I think we're finally starting to see the worm turn here a little bit, is it would seem to me, if it's not, it should be the death of analytics in baseball. I don't know how close you've paid attention or if you've watched any of these games because most of it seems to happen after 9 p.m. and some of it after 1 a.m. <laughs> if you go well, back to you game know, five. I've seen a lot of the stuff past the 9 p.m., but nothing passed by yeah. 11, 11, 15. But – but what we're seeing is, especially with the Dodgers, the Dodgers should have this thing wrapped up by now. And by sure. the time you hear this, they may have wrapped it up. They may have won game or seven. Or they may have blown it. Right. I don't know. But what I'm taken by is the Los Angeles Dodgers had this series won in game two. It was over. It was done. They had Houston completely befuddled. You could see it in the body language of Houston. You know, obviously, LA didn't have a big league. But Rich Hill was just out there dealing. Just absolutely dealing. After five innings or four innings, pull him. 
you know, I don't know, one walk, one single, whatever. Pull them. Because the analytics said, you know, the third time through the lineup when the humidity's 82%, blah, 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 had to take them out. What happens? Houston comes back. Mm-hmm. takes the game. Now they're rolling a little bit. So I don't know what's going to happen. We see it. It was uh, Alex Wood, game right. five, four, five, four, four. game four. four. He throws a no-hitter through five. First pitch of the sixth inning gives him a ho- gives up a home run. We yank him. Yeah. That's one hit. I know. One hit. Now L.A. goes on to win that game, I grant you. But I don't know if you've been watching Rick, too. I, I got to say, and Tony Romo, and, and for good reason, is really getting a lot of run for as good, nice a job as he's doing in the booth. If you're not – John Smoltz is better. The, the, the way he breaks down the game John and simplifies John Smoltz is excellent. It. And he said something that really stuck with me. The reason these – and I know how you feel about it, and I feel the same way by and large – you know, the the pitchers that are specialists. We got them on pitch counts. We got the setup guy. We've got the closure. I grant you all that. The fact that we're there is ridiculous. I'll give you I don't want to have that debate again. But the bottom line is baseball is nothing if it's not a game of just absolute routine and absolute habit. And these guys get into the routines and they get into these habits. And now all of a sudden, we've seen Kenley Jensen give up nothing all year. He's been unhittable all year. Now all of a sudden, he's getting knocked around, right? He's been on the mound for two you know, Houston Astros late inning wins. Well, how could this happen? What What's going on? Because you're pitching him three, you know, two, three innings at a time when he's used to pitching one. But that's different to me. That, that I, I understand there's always been short relievers mm-hmm. in, in that kind of thing. And, and I understand that some of these guys, they could throw heat for an inning, right. inning and a half, and they run out of gas. Yeah. When, but look at Kershaw. Hey, this guy, he can't do anything in the playoffs. Been better, been better this year. Yeah, a little better. Gave up a three-run homer the other night. He was absolutely dominant in game one. True. Absolutely dominant. And he was on the way to that, and then that weird game five broke out. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I still it haven't was. decided if I like it or I hate the way that game went down. It was entertaining. It ended at 1.40 in the morning on a work night. Yeah, I wasn't crazy was... about that. But be that as it may, I don't know if I like it, but it was really entertaining. I... But what John Smoltz said, and I'll wrap this up, yeah. and this, this gets into the, the analytics thing, and we, you can add on or move, we can move on, whatever you want to do, is a lot of the reason these guys are successful is because you see them in such short bursts. They're so dominant that you can't, you can't get a beat on it. They come in for one inning, they throw so few pitches, they're so dominant, and they're out of there. Now all of a sudden you're pitching these guys, number one, every day because you're pulling your starter, whether he's throwing a no-hitter or not, you're pulling your starter after four. They're pitching more, they're throwing more pitches, they're pitching more innings, and they're pitching, you know, seven days in a row that now the mystery's gone. And we're on top of these guys now, and they're getting hit. And I thought that was just the most brilliant point I had ever yeah. heard. Smoltz blew me away with that. What I don't understand is you go out and you win a hundred and whatever many games the Dodgers won this year doing things one way, and then you get in a playoffs and you completely blow it up rich hill dealing twice you know it happened they they ultimately won game six but again dealing through four and five innings get them out of there and let's just uh, bring the roll the relievers one after the other and the other thing smoltz said is you know that's great when it's working but when you're throwing out seven eight nine pitchers in a game and these are all one run games it only takes for one guy not to have it one guy not to have it on any given day 
and you're throwing the game away. It just I'm hoping this is the death of the analytics and the overanalyzing it, it, and me, all of this because I, this series has shown that the traditional way of playing baseball gives you a better chance to win in the playoffs. To, to me, it, it's it's gruesome. The, the whole pitching thing drives me up a freaking wall. If if I have a guy, and especially when you get to this time of the year, right. If, if 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 it's say game six, whatever, or even you know game seven, whatever. This is this is it, and I got Rick Flager out there, and he's knocked down eighteen guys in a row. Oh, his pitch counts up, bro. Yeah. I, I don't, Rick. I don't think you're going out in the top of the yeah. seventh. I don't want that you to, is insane. I don't want you to go. The analytics say yeah. your your batting average against goes up forty points the right. third time through the lineup. I have 17 strikeouts. But, I mean, what are you doing? And that's the thing that drives me up a wall, you know, and and I hate to go back, you know, because it just sounds like uh, yeah, this old guy or Get whatever. Get off my lawn. But I just can't imagine Red Shandy's going out to Bob Gibson in the seventh inning. Oh, he'd have thrown him the hell off yeah. his mound. Get yeah. out. <laughs> Take yeah. He's throwing a one-hitter, but he, he just walked a guy. Yep. Yeah, big deal. Get out of here. But even yeah. that, it's just the you know the numbers tell Dave Roberts that the third time through the lineup, the starters are less effective. Not if they're dealing the way Rich Hill was right. dealing in Game Two. Exactly. This series would be over had you left Rich Hill in through seven, like Kenley Jensen just pitched the ninth. You win Game Two. This series is over. I don't even right. think it comes back to L.A. I really don't. As good as Houston is at home. Maybe they get Verlander one more time, so maybe they win last night in Game Six. This thing should be over. But just a just a slave to these analytics cost has cost them, I think, two games in this World Series. You you got it. Wood, you know, not not a pitcher note. I didn't know who Alex Wood was before this series started. He's throwing a no hitter through five. He leaves one ball up, gives up a home run. Yank him. Now, again, the Dodgers ultimately win that game, but it becomes a lot more exciting than it needs to be. Just none of it makes any sense to me. It's got to go away and just manage the game for the game, not for the numbers. Oh, I agree. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, how many how many complete games were there this year? Do you, do you know? <laughs> Probably seven. I have no idea. Not I mean, many. I mean who, uh, what leader oh, I have incomplete no game? I, I mean, have no idea. I have, uh, I, I'm just trying to think of – a number, what 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 is reasonable um, for complete games, but there's just I mean see that used to be a benchmark for people, and and I'm talking about and maybe I'm talking about old school and I'm going to get into this because you you really hit on something. Well, this is just an old guy that you know these old. Pe- you know, it lengthens careers. No, it doesn't. Now, how, how does it lengthen the career of a pitcher if he's not allowed to pitch past five innings and, and so forth? You know, we we hit on Bob Gibbs, and he pitched like 23 years. Right, yeah. Uh, and He was conditioned differently. You can't just right now flip the switch and change. No, it. It's got to start no, at, you're at abso- high school. You you're know absolutely I mean? right. But I just don't see where when you have a pitcher like that, if he, if he can, like you said, deal him for five innings or whatever, this is the World Series. He can go another inning. He right. can go another yeah. two innings. Well, and I think, and this is the only time you see it, I guarantee you, and this is going to sound really smart or really dumb, 
because everybody's going to hear this after this has happened. I guarantee you Clayton Kershaw throws two or three innings tonight, right? They had him up yesterday, at least stretching. I don't think he ever threw. To answer your question, Rick, there was a tie between uh, Corey Kluber and Santana in Minnesota with five complete games this year. And I'm actually surprised it's that high that there was two guys with five. Okay. In five. 18, 26, 31. In the last four years of Sandy Koufax's career, he had 31 shutouts. Right. Shutouts. He had 11, 7, 8, and 5. <laughs> Human beings can pitch longer than five innings. Kluber is and the Santana point. had three this year. Okay. There you go. So, I don't know. That, that's I'm, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to say that those guys were better. You, you know, I mean, that that's not the whole point of it. I just think I, I'm agreeing with you. I think this analytic stuff has gotten so far into – I mean, it's almost like witchcraft. Oh, right. you, know, you know, the crow flew over in the sixth inning, yeah. you know, into an east wind, and he's got 48 pitches. He's only got 10 left. Yeah. I mean, because that's what it said. It's stupid. Well, and, and you know, and it, I think it goes back to fantasy football a little bit, too. It, it's become paralysis by analysis. Look, these numbers are all very useful. They're useful in fantasy football. They're useful in the major right. leagues. But at the same time, you're hiring managers who played this game. You're paying them millions of dollars. A lot of baseball, and especially dealing with a pitching staff, is just feel. These guys know if a guy has. A dummy like me watching it on TV or even in the ballpark, I can't really tell if he's not getting knocked around. You know, obviously I can tell that. But these guys know. If with you got Rich these... Hill just dealing, you don't yank him out of the game because with... your numbers nerd in the in the clubhouse tells you, well, third time for the, through the lineup, his batting average against goes up however many points. That's just stupid. He is dealing. With, with all the, the nerds that they have out there and the – software programs and everything else that they have you mean to tell me they can't figure out what rick flieger's era is in inning one through nine as a starter right and and, and over a course of a, of a year or so you know what you know rick's era you know in the eighth seems to jump about four ticks right we that is an analytic you can use okay you know, we're getting towards the middle of the seventh. He's got a pretty good game going, but he's starting to run out of gas a yeah. little bit. Might want to bring in Bob from the bullpen. But it's a good not- manager knows if I'm running out of gas or I'm still feeling it. So that's my point. The numbers may right. tell you in the eighth inning I'm going to blow up, but if my pitch counts down and I am spotting everything I went where I want to and my velocity is still the same, I think the feel of the game tells you, you know what, today might not be the day that happens. I'm going to roll with him until he gets in trouble. Yeah, that's in the World whole, Series, right. you better believe it. That's my whole point. Let's move off of that, Rick. This show's going long already. It is time for game ball goes to Week 8, Rick, your game ball. Flip a coin, Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson yeah, in I, my book. <laughs> I actually wrote the words flip a coin. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God. Hey, 452 yards, four touchdowns, and a pick for Wilson, 402, four and three with 67 rushing yards for Watson. 
Just amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, that that was some really some entertaining game. Entertaining performances against two pretty doggone good defenses yeah. that didn't even look like it belonged on the field with those offenses. Yeah. I think you give the nod to Deshaun Watson for being a rookie and doing that in Seattle, right? I know sometimes games just go that way and you can't explain it. But to do that, the defense isn't what it once was. But you do that in Seattle as a rookie. I thought they were going to get blowed out. I, I honestly did. And we can talk about our game picks from last week when we get to that segment. But really impressive. And Watson, let's be honest, he's the real deal, right? Yeah, he's not Robert Griffin where this is burning bright and it's going to burn out fast. He feels like the real, absolute real deal. Yeah, he does. I, I really like this kid, and I think Houston has found their man. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But I'll throw mine out, Rick, to get away from those two to Juju Smith-Schuster. How about that? Yeah. That answer to Martavis Bryant, seven for a buck ninety-three and a touch. And if you want to be those people, all right, let's take away that ninety-five or ninety-seven-yard touchdown. All right, from a rookie, would you take six for what ninety-eight? Yeah, I think you'd take that too. This kid, this kid's going to be something special in this league. Oh, I agree. And uh, you know, let's not forget the the DeAndre Hopkins performance eight catches 224 yards <laughs> and a receiving touchdown LaShawn McCoy 151 yards rushing plus a touchdown with some uh, 22 yards receiving and hey, there were some nice performances out there Jack Doyle 12 catches 121 yards and a touchdown yeah, well, I so, don't know where that one came from all exactly. right let's get back to what we do best Stinky sock, Rick. I, I've talked about him two or three times. J I G E, you know, or I J E. Hey, mine ain't working. Oh no, your uh, button broke. I'm just terrible here. Oh god, it was only a matter of time. Here, let me help you. I J E. There you go. I J E. Barely, barely hear it. I heard it come up there. I can't give you anything. I give Twenty-three you yards. Yeah. You know, and. Against against a defense that has been run over. Yeah, you should be able to year. run on that team. But he would just was not in the game. I mean, that whole offense was. Well, I could give it to the whole offense, don't get me wrong. And the defense for that matter. But I don't know. He just he was done. Yeah. And I, I think that decision was made before the game, quite frankly, that he's out of there. Very I, well could be. That's just what it looked like to me. Yeah, he seemed disinterested, that's for he sure. He did. So Mine, he gets my big old stinky sock full of rotten dead clams. Oh, clams. Yeah. Ugh. Roadkill skunk. Oh, wow. That's yeah. stinky. Mm-hmm. And a rotten squash. Whew. That's bad. Mine's not near that bad. Mine's just <laughs> your standard wear it all day to work kind of sock, but – just give him the stinky suck. I don't think he deserves it necessarily, but I don't feel like we've talked about this enough or at all. But Julio Jones, Rick, another three-catch performance. Yeah, 74 yards, not the yeah. end of the world, double digits in a, in a PPR league. This is, you know, a couple weeks you don't panic about. Eight weeks a trend makes, Rick, right? Eight or seven, I guess they've had their bye week. But that's a trend. And there's been a lot of talk coming out of Atlanta, how they, you know, Dan Quinn says we need to get him the ball more. We need to target him in the red zone. He got that late garbage touchdown against the Patriots in the fog two weeks ago. This has become a serious, serious concern. That offense is just completely out of sync. But Julio Jones has been absent for fantasy owners this year, and it's I, I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, and Muhammad Sanu had six catches for 74 yards right. and a touchdown in that same game, so I'm not sure what it is, but Tevin Coleman out-touching 
Yeah, you know, Devontae Freeman. It just seems sense. like, yeah, it, it. this isn't that offense that went to the Super Bowl last year. They they can't get on track at all, and I'm, I don't know what the answer is, quite frankly. Uh, Matt Ryan's having bad stats. Oh. I mean, is this all on Sarkeesian? That's who most of the, the media wants to lay it on. It's it's the only thing that's changed, right? All the players exactly. are the same. It's just the, the director's different now. There, there's something up with that. But you would think if nothing else, if I'm struggling, right? I coach youth basketball, all right? And you try to go – you go into game every game with a game plan, which, which is stupid when you're dealing with, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. But you do. That's what you do. Right. And then halfway through the game, you look up and you're down by – 12 you everybody's got that one player the one good point guard right you say all right from now on you take the ball find a way to get it to the rim that's our game plan from now on the same thing here in Atlanta your your offensive game plan is not working why are we not just force feeding the ball to Julio Jones why does he not have 18 targets a game like Deshaun Watson or I'm sorry DeAndre Hopkins had at the beginning of the year as Deshaun Watson was figuring out where the whole offense was him just flinging it up to Hopkins and hoping he pulled down seven or eight of how is this not happening in Atlanta I don't see it changing anytime soon that's my concern well I don't either Dan Quinn says uh, we need to get the ball to 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 him, Julio Jones. You're the damn head coach, right? Say so get the damn ball to him, right? I mean, simple as that. I mean, get you, a game plan. You know, we're we're going to air it out. We're going to throw it to Freeman and Coleman all out on the wings. We're going to get the ball deep to to Jones. Sanu can catch it along there. Let's pull in Hooper. You know, let's yeah. get the ball. We're going to start airing it out. This we're the Falcons. We're not. Uh, you know, we're not the Green Bay Packers of the 60s. Right. It makes no sense why you're not just absolutely force-feeding it. You know, the head coach is saying it. The quarterback, who was the MVP of the league last year, is saying it. What I can't understand is why it doesn't, ha- why it isn't happening, and that's my concern. Now, look, it'd be a different conversation if he had 12 targets, 15 targets, and came down with three. All right, then maybe it's actually Julio deserves that stinky sock. They're not targeting him, and he's not getting the opportunities, and they get down the goal line, and they're running side decide with Coleman or with Free. I mean, none of it. It just makes absolutely no sense, and that's my concern, that everybody's talking about it and it's still not happening. There, there's something There's something going on there, and, and it makes me nervous that it's not going to get any better. No, I agree. I mean, this is Julio Jones. He's a guy that should be top five right. year in, year out in fantasy scoring, well, and legitimately in just regular stats, but he is down – I don't know what he is. He's about 20, 20th or so in, in fantasy scoring, something like that. Behind. Just absolutely unthinkable. Yeah. Unthinkable. And we talked about Doug Baldwin, the slow start that he had through the year and everything. Julio Jones is behind him. Yeah. Uh, he's behind Golden Tate, who's missed a couple of games. And, and he's just – there's something just amiss in Atlanta. All right, Rick, let's move on. I want to play a quick game. I always like to throw a little quick game in before we transition to looking at the week ahead. I, my full intention was as we were sitting here to get a little music put together for this, and I forgot. So sure you did. here's what we're going to do. It's a day late, a dollar short, but that's how we live. But I had a Halloween theme in mind. Rick, we're just going to call it Trick or Treat. I want to look at some surprising performances over the last week or two, and I wanted you to let me know, or, or is this a trick? Are they fooling us, or is this a treat? Is All this right. something we can expect going forward? So real quick, Rick, trick or treat, Juju Smith-Schuster coming off a seven for a buck 93 and a touch. And in the uh, – since it's 
trick-or-treat can sweep the nation during the holiday. It could. I'll just use uh, the fact or fiction. Fair enough. So that's a treat. I think it's a treat. I, I Look, Juju's not going to have games like that every week, obviously, but I think he's upgrade over Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant is done in Pittsburgh. You think? I think so. They're not trading him because I don't, I think it's punishment. I think he'll make a contribution for this year, not from a fantasy standpoint. He'll he'll be a contributor to the Steelers' offense before it's all said and oh, done. Oh, probably. But I agree with you. Smith Schuster's that number two guy now. He he's yeah. the other guy. And, and when you have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell to contend with, even as teams know he's going to become that next guy, it's not going to matter. He's going to have favorable matchups. He's going to be open, and you see what happens when they're getting the ball his way. Actually, listened to an interview with uh, Cam Hayward. Um, earlier in the week and cam hayward was they were talking about juju and he says the the thing that he really likes about him is not only in a, you know is his running and catching ability he blocks like a maniac yeah, yeah. and he's he he's not afraid of anybody and he will go after you you know to open up a hole for a running back or another receiver that has the ball that's a big difference. And we know going back to Heinz Ward, that's oh, yeah. something that coaching staff and that offense likes. That's what they want. They need, want and need a, a wide receiver who does that. You better believe it. All right, Rick. Trick or treat. Once again, Will Fuller, two touchdowns coming off a of five for a buck twenty-five and two touchdowns. Will Fuller as a – what's the best way to put this? As a legitimate fantasy threat, trick or treat. think he's going to be he keep putting up these kind of touchdown numbers because it's all based on that this is the first game he had any yardage to speak of right right? exactly I mean you know I think from here on out I you know I'm talking you know certainly not wide receiver one numbers by any stretch but I just think with this offense and the better rapport that he builds up with a guy like Cousins he could start. He could evolve into that go-to guy. Well, they they don't want cousins. They'll stick with Deshaun Watson. Oh, what am I? Yeah, <laughs> Will Fuller. Good lord. I'm, yeah, what am I talking about? I'm looking at the Redskins yeah, here. You I'm sorry. Settle down. Yeah, but um, but Watson loves to throw it, and who else is? You know, DeAndre Hopkins. He had 224 yards. Of course, this was a ridiculous yeah, game. It's, it's it, hard it, to put much stock in the yardage help. numbers. But the point being is, with a game like that from Hopkins, what I mean that has to take pressure off of Fuller. But then when he starts delivering, then it just opens things up for Watson. This could st- and Lamar Miller. I mean, I just think it turns into a much more complete offense, yeah. but I which wanna- makes him legitimately, yeah, you want to play him, maybe as a flex, wide receiver three, something like that, almost every week. Maybe. It's hard. If he's going to, you know, because we said this is, I feel like this is the third or fourth week, he's not going to keep just catching three balls a game and two of them are going to be touched. But he just keeps doing it. And in this offense, Deshaun Watson can't that be that good. DeAndre Hopkins can't right. keep getting those types of target numbers. They'll triple them if they have to because Watson didn't look at anybody else. And it just keeps happening. And we've seen this, you know, year over year. You know, you talk about a, a Robert Griffin or a Colin 
Kaepernick. You know, I'm, I'm not comparing Watson to those guys. I only bring that up because you get in and there's some new wrinkle. There's some new way that this, this specific player is running the offense. And maybe within a year or two, defenses start to figure it out. But usually it rolls for that first year, right? It just keeps rolling. So this may be who they beat. You know what this reminds me of? Remember that was it the last year of Jerome Bettis' career where his, an average stat line for him was three carries for right. one yard and two touchdowns? Yeah. <laughs> like, it has all the feel of that. I think this may be sustainable. I don't want him on my bench. You know, then there's going to be a week he doesn't catch that touchdown pass, and he has two or three catches for 18 yards. And but hell, everybody's doing that. Julio Jones, Julio is doing Jones, that. AJ yeah. Green's doing that every now and again. So I think it's more risky to leave him on the bench with that potential because that's what their offense is. I think you have to play him. Yeah, this year's what I'm talking about. If you're in a redraft league. He's going to have to get more targets right. to become because defenses adjust eventually, and that kind of you know performance where you're totally touchdown dependent does not sustain itself no. over the long haul. But I, I think the the point I was trying to make is he becomes. I mean, say he ends up even with only 10, 10 touchdowns or eleven touchdowns, even after the season said and done. That's 11 clutch touchdowns that somewhere along the line, he's built up a, a rapport with Deshaun right. Watson, who was a rookie. Yeah. Okay. Now, going into next year, you have a full training camp and everything else that works into it. Yeah. I mean, I think the targets will come. Right. And, and perhaps. Absolutely. All right. Let's do one more, Rick. This show's running way late. I can feel it. So we'll just do one more here. Trick or treat Jamison Crowder, nine catches, 123 yards. Not buying it? I'm not buying. No, I'm not buying it. You know, if you're talking that kind of performance all the time, there's no way. And that's just, that's just me. And, um, Look, he's only got 28 catches on the year. And that game was, I don't know. I don't even know how to put it. It was an anomaly. I mean, you have 123 yards, and your highest output for the year before that was 52 against Oakland. Here's what I tend to agree with you, Rick. Here's what I find intriguing. Very similar to Julio Jones. I think we talked about it on the show. Two or three weeks ago, Kirk Cousins, the coaching staff, started talking about we got to get Jamison more involved. I'll never understand that. Why weren't – if you want him involved, why wasn't he involved the previous six games? Right. But whatever. We, <laughs> we won't go down that wormhole. But what I find interesting is they – here's the first thing that pops in my head. They've all but given up on Terrell Pryor. That, that that experiment's failed. He doesn't fit in that system. You know, we know the kid's got the talent. We saw it last year in Cleveland, of all places, for God's sake. For whatever reason, he's not a fit in that system. Jordan Reed's doing Jordan Reed things, right? He's all nicked up. He's missing time. Even when he does play, he's nicked up. So you're seeing a little bit of Vernon Davis. That whole offense, you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is what, a top what is he in fantasy points for quarterbacks? He's got to be top ten anyhow, oh, right? Yeah. If he's not higher than that, he yeah. might be top five. I can look at that real quick while you're padding. And the wide receivers have been terrible. You know, Josh Doxson, we don't talk about him. He's kind of like Will Fuller, right? He makes no catches but gets in the end zone every week. 
it's been all Chris Thompson and Vernon Davis when, when Jordan Reed's out. So you think, so what I'm saying is I wonder, you know, nine for a buck 23 Crowder's never been a nine catch guy. Right. Seventh. So seven, fantasy okay. scoring. So Kirk he's Cousins. putting up those kind of numbers. Well, we talked about this a couple of weeks. I mean, it's almost, it's almost a lesser version of Drew Brees in his heyday. Right. Thrown for a million yards. And there's nobody on the team that's a, that's a wide receiver one yeah. in fantasy. It, it's spread out everywhere. But it just seems to me, nine for 123. But I think Jamison Crowder works himself back into Yeah, He's been on my bench. I drafted him in the Caveman League. He's been on my bench since week three. He's working himself back into a flex spot for me. I think, you know, you see something here. I don't think we see any more one-catch performances out of him. Just when, when we're finally saying Terrell Pryor, sorry, this didn't work, you go sit down. Right. They, they didn't even play him last week. You go sit down, you're finished. Plus, we're talking about the quarterback's talking about it, the coaching staff's talking about it. Jameson Crowder's a dynamic playmaker. We need to get him back more involved. That is again. So, are we looking? You know, six, five, six catches, sixty to eighty yards. I think that's who Jameson Crowder is, which I think vaults him back at least into deeper lineups where he was on benches prior to last week. Right. You know, but you know, Cousins has been spreading it out with Reed Davis. You know, Ryan Grant or Chris Thompson. We talked yeah, about Thompson's him you know, before the, the show. Just real been amazing. Maker. But, yeah, I mean, Terrell Pryor experiment's basically done. He's not getting it done. I think I agree with you. Now that Crowder's – he's going to move back into – we're not going to play with Terrell Pryor right, anymore. Yeah. I think that may be the difference right there. And I think it's a smart move, quite frankly. If uh, somebody's not working for you, don't try yeah, – yeah. We're trying to force it. They yeah. didn't pay him anything. He's on a one-year deal. Let him stay at the end of the bench and right. let him walk at the end of the yep. year. He didn't lose anything. All right, Rick. Well, I had next on the sheet here, start and sit, but everybody good is on by this week, so do we need to have that discussion. You don't have enough guys on your bench to sit. Is there anybody you really want to throw out there, or do you want to jump to the game picks? i tell you what. I, I, I would think, I mean, my start was Lamar Miller versus Indy, but you're starting him anyway. <laughs> this week you have no choice. i tell you what, if you can at any any juncture in this season, sit Frank Gore going against Houston this week. It's Marlon Max time. Frank Gore just really, I think yeah. he's about end of the road. This team's not good. I think Houston's going to whitewash him, and I think Frank Gore's a wasted start. Yeah. If you And I him. actually had Marlon Mack as a start. Again, this week I think it's pretty obvious, but I think we could talk about that. Maybe he fit into the trick-or-treat segment. I think he's slowly th – that's turning, and that job's becoming his. And I, I think he – I'll tell you what, I'll make a bold prediction here. I think starting from week seven, so I'm going to give, I'm going to, or week eight, I'm going to take credit for last week's game. Through the end of the year, in that span, he finishes as a running back, too. I think Marlon Mack's mm. going to take over that much of the workload. On that team, that is a very bold prediction, but, yeah. you know. But he looks good. Guy who can catch the ball. They got to find a way to get him the ball in space. And Brissett, those, those are kind of plays he makes. He seems to fit with what jo yeah. Jacoby Brissett's doing. So let's move to the game picks. Obviously, we were on by last week, Rick. Two weeks ago, I go nine and five, and then nine last and four. Week, or, nine and four. You were, you were right. la or the week before you were nine and four. I was eleven and two. 
We documented our picks from last yes. week, even though it wasn't on the air. I will tweet it out if you don't believe me. It is date stamped on my on my show sheet from last week that ended up happening. As your boy Rick Fleer goes eleven and two. Eleven and two, baby, in week yeah. eight. And I was eleven and two in week seven. And I was ten and three in week eight. And as of right now, you are I tell you, we've actually Spread out pretty nicely from the start that we had, both of us together, you know, um, hanging right around 500 and so forth. You are at 76 and 41, and Ooh. I am 71 and 46 right now. So, so uh, get your, call your bookies. Yeah. We know what we're talking yeah, just about. Right on the money line, follow your boys. And more importantly, I am taking you down. No, Finally, you're not. after years of futility, my time has come. You're not. You're still not going to. Oh, it, it's on. Okay. Although I don't feel good about this week's slate, Rick. Ooh, I, me I, either. I went back to a little bit of old Rick Flieger on this one because I had some tough decisions. Let's start out. There, obviously, you know, Bears, Browns, Chargers, Vikings, Patriots, Steelers on by Thursday night football, Rick, the Jets host the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty tough one here. Um, it's a division game. Buffalo already uh, smoked them in week one. Um, it. it it's going to be a close game, I think. But I, I tell you what, I like this Buffalo de- uh, or defense and offense, really. Now that Calvin Benjamin's there, I think they're tooling up for the end of the road here. Um, I like Buffalo, 27, New York, 24. Yeah, I, I think it's a fairly close game early on. I think the difference here is Buffalo is just – I think they're plus two turnovers per game. That's what they're doing. Josh McCown really, really – far exceeding anything anybody expected out of him. But he does have a tendency to turn the ball over. So I think a late defensive touchdown gives this thing to the Bills 27-17. game we just talked about, Rick, is the Texans host the Colts. Yeah, I look, I, I just don't think Indy's very good. And Houston, they're, they're not going to run up the score like they did against Seattle. That was just one of those crazy games. I still like Houston 30-20. to yeah, this one's tough. This game it feels like every year, whether it's the Colts that are up and the Texans are down or the other way around, this one ends up being really close. But the way Deshaun Watson's playing against that defense, how can you pick against them? I was tempted to go just way off the board because the Colts win one of these every year, no matter who's at quarter. But they're Cole's usually team. pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to go with the Texans here, 33-24. All right, coming off the bye, so the other every other week theory's been thrown into disarray. Rick is the Jaguars host the Bengals yeah Cincinnati's playing better football but I'll tell you what I like this Jacksonville defense they can dominate a football game Leonard Fournette I think is back which means they could they could brutalize Cincinnati with a run um, I like Jacksonville, 30-27 I think it's gonna be a close game this is probably the one I spent the most time thinking about right now if the season ended now the Jacksonville Jaguars would be in the playoffs all right I don't buy it, Rick. I think they start – there comes a point in the NFL. It's just – it's not 1977 anymore. We were talking the other day about how much you like 1977. Oh, man. It's not that anymore. This – you can't – You weren't around. In September I was. Yeah, well. 
That was a good year. <laughs> Rick Flieger's <laughs> born. Uh, that was yeah. good. What you were doing in 1977 didn't affect me. So well, it was probably a great not. year. Hey, you're here, you know, not the other. I didn't bring you here at gunpoint. So yeah, basically you're, you did. You're yeah. here by choice. <laughs> Anyhow, here's the point. At some point, you can't hide Blake Bortles forever. I think that bye week actually hurts. That defense is great, and that defense is going to win them some games, and Leonard Fournette's going to win them some games. But I think we've hit about that point of the season where they remember, oh, crap, we're the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think the Bengals win this thing as bad as they've been. I got them by a field goal, 26-23. See, that's one thing on that game. That's one thing where I think – I disagree with you. It's not so much that Blake Bortles has improved from last year. He's just not asked to do what he was trying to do well, last yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, they've got a brutal run game. They've got a, a dominating defense. And all he has to do is fl- fling a couple and, and, and just to keep the defense honest. Right. And so far, he's been doing that. A couple's all it, all it takes him to have two going <laughs> back the other way, however. All right, Rick. Here's another tough one. I hate this division in general as the Saints host the Bucks. Yeah, this this was a tough one. This is probably the one I spent the most time on. And, and actually what tipped it for me was something that has never really been thought of in the last, I don't know how many years with New Orleans. I actually liked the what did it for me was the New Orleans defense. Right. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're great. Yeah, they're playing well. Tampa Bay's offense is just not really, you know, what we thought was going to happen in 2017. And, you know, New Orleans has Drew Brees on top of it. So I'm going New Orleans 32, Tampa Bay 28. I agree with everything you said, but this is the AFC South. Yeah, you're right. So everything's NFC. a coin toss. Or what I, oh, yeah, NFC South. Everything's a coin to us, number one. Yeah. This Saints team has won five games in a row, mainly on the strength of their defense. Does anything sound off about that to you? Oh, yeah. I just don't believe it's sustainable. So just the unpredictability of this division, I just feel like this is a game that sort of everything writes itself. Everything on paper, everything you said right. But when I look at this, I see the Buccaneers winning this thing with a late field goal, 31-28. Just, I can't buy the Saints being good, this good defensively. If it was in Tampa, I'd have probably done the exact same thing. But, you know, the defense and at home – I went with Breeze yeah. at home. Yeah, so. good luck. Flip yeah, the coin, really. you lose either way on that one. All right, Rick, the surprising uh, Rams team with a sitting on a 5-2 and two record come east take on the Giants. Yeah, I don't like them coming east. Uh, look, the, the Giants are bad. They're out of receivers and so forth. And, and Eli is just Eli. I think the Rams are a much better team. But I think this could be this could come down to the wire. And I'm going Rams 36, Giants 30. This feels like a trap. And we don't pick on the number, but I think the number right now is uh, the Rams laying three and a half as we sit here now. When I see that line, this whole thing feels like a trap. It just feels like the, the Rams are just playing 12 steps above where we expected them. 
you know, we all I think we all had the Giants as at least a playoff contender, if not yeah. in the playoffs, and, and due mainly to injury. But for whatever reason, the Giants aren't who we think they are. For all the world, this feels like a game the Giants could win. That said, I don't have the guts to pick it. I think Jared Goff in that offense under Sean McVay have just turned a corner and what Todd Gurley can do. And I think Todd Gurley's the difference in this game. Yep. I would not be stunned if the Giants found a way, if this was like a 13-10 game and the Giants won it. But I'm going to give faith one more time and to go 6-2 and two for Jared Goff and the Rams and pick them 24-13. But I don't feel good about it one bit, Rick, not one bit. All right, here's another one of them stupid NFC South games. Good luck with that one as the Panthers host the struggling Falcons. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, neither one of these teams have been uh, world beaters this year. Carolina's 5-3, and three, and you look at them and say, eh, you know, that's, they're just not playing. Well, we, right. talk, we spent a lot of time on the offense just not being – and look, they just got rid of Calvin Benjamin, their, their biggest pass threat. Uh, I went with Atlanta. I, I think they get on track a little bit, and I'm going Atlanta 30, Carolina 17. Yeah, th- this comes down to the quarterbacks for me. All right, They look pretty similar across the rest of, offensively. Carolina's playing a, a decent little brand of defense right now. Cam Newton, I've defended him a lot. This stomping and pouting, yeah. it it's become such a circus around him. I think you, this is where you start to see a team come undone, where it just comes it's unglued. what happened before. And the whole thing falls apart. And I think we're in the midst of that now. So even though they're struggling, I'll take the Falcons here, 30-27. All right, the Eagles, best record in the NFL, hope the, hope, uh, to host the Broncos, who I am given to understand are going to start Brock Osweiler this week. Yes, indeed. And, you know, it's always the Denver defense that, that people are talking about, but they haven't been able to win games for them. I, I don't know if Brock's the guy that can because he knows the offense and, he, and he's familiar. If he can make a difference, I think they're going to right the ship sooner or later. But at Philadelphia, to me, is not the place. I'm going Philadelphia 25, Denver 20. Yeah, I don't think we see those cartoon-like numbers we've seen out of Carson Wentz lately. He's going up against a big boy defense now. I think they're just better across the board offensively. And that may, it's Brock Osweiler on the road in Philadelphia, of right. all places. That's no place to make your season debut. I'll take the Eagles by a field goal 2017. Titans coming off the bye, hosting the Ravens coming off just a white washing looks like joe flacco is going to play after almost dying last thursday <laughs> most re- yeah. most reports seem to think he'll be good to go could be a factor maybe not for you these are these are i don't know i, I don't know what to make of these teams baltimore's defense has been a turnover machine you know during wonderful things yet other teams a lot of teams run all over them right you know rushing wise Joe Flacco's Joe Flacco. It, you know, I guess they're better off with him in there. But they're at Tennessee. Tennessee's coming off a bye. They need a win badly. I think Tennessee takes it by a touchdown, 24-17. You look at the Ravens sitting at 4-4, four and four, and you watch two series of that team and Joe Flacco play offense. You wonder how they ever scored a point, <laughs> let alone won four professional football games. I can't, that's why it's always tough to pick, pick these games because you just don't know how, but the Ravens find ways to win games. 
That said, I, I don't see any way here. I think I got the Titans fairly easily on this one, 28-13. All right, Rick, th this is the one I'm going to be zeroed in on on Sunday. This is the one I'm most looking forward to as your boy C.J. Beathard and the 49ers host Drew Stanton and the Arizona Cardinals. Now that, my friend, is must-see TV. Yes, it is. And let's face it, it – Neither one of these teams is very good, and Arizona has digressed with the loss of Carson Palmer. That being said, Ooh. I still think they're a better team than San Francisco, and I'm sorry, 49ers fans, I can't go with you this, this week until you start playing better. Arizona 27, San Francisco 17. Arizona away from the quarterback position, is a much, much better football team than the San Francisco 49ers. So this pick, here's where I get myself in trouble in game picks over the years. This is all based on sort of external factors. In as much as it is so rare for a team to go 0-16. You know, it was it? The Lions did it a few years yeah. ago, and it had been a billion years before that. The 49ers aren't going to go over. If any game you are going to win – when you look at a look ahead in the schedule, it's going to be at even though you're starting C.J. Beathard, it's going to be at home against Drew Stanton. Drew Stanton drags that offense down so deep every time he touches the field. Larry Fitzgerald might as well not even show up. He just for, he just completely disappears. If they're ever going to win a game, which you think they have to, it's going to be this one. So I'm going to take the 49ers in a shootout, nine to six. Just just bear in mind that Larry Fitzgerald has owned the 49ers over the last few years, and I think the last, I don't know when, when it was when Palmer was out, he had, I don't even have the stats in front of me, but I read it earlier today, six or eight catches for 100-some yards, and Drew Stanton was a quarterback. So, I mean, they do have a bit of familiarity with, the, with each other. So I, that's one reason why yeah. – yeah, well, that's all you know. I have to say about Drew Stanton. Well, who cares what you have to say? That's why you know people. You are fake news. <laughs> See, <laughs> I do like that one. That one it probably ticks half our audience off too. So I like that. All right, Rick, coming off that barn burner against the Texans last week. This week, the Seahawks hosting the Redskins. You know, this was one that I was really kicking around. You know, after that display with Houston and Seattle last week, I'm sitting there thinking, gee, is this going to be a 17-10 game or, or whatever? But, you know, Seattle defense, they can be moved on. Yeah, this isn't the old no. legion of boom. And, and Russell Wilson certainly can prove that he can move the football. So this one could tend to get going. I think Rob Kelly had over 100 yards against Seattle last year, I think. Did he? And okay. uh, I could be wrong on that, but it seems to me that that he did. I, I'm looking for a pretty high-scoring game. I'm going to Seattle because they are at home, and Washington just not as good a team, I, I don't believe. But I'm going to Seattle 33, 
Washington 26. Yeah, we're pretty similar. What it comes down to is you don't win in Seattle very often, and, and Washington is really banged up. Five out of their six offensive linemen or something like that, or at least in danger of missing the game. Their secondaries tore apart. Their, their linebacker cores tore apart. This team is just dealing with a ton of injuries, and the way to get better and adjust upon that isn't to go to Seattle to play a game. So I think they, Kirk Cousins keeps them in it. I think it's not not as crazy as the Texans game, but I think we see some points scored, and I got the Seahawks, 34-23. All right, Rick, presumably without Ezekiel Elliott, again, that could change by the time I hit uh, hit uh, download to, to iTunes here as the Cowboys host the Chiefs. Yeah, this is uh, another one that I think is, is quite difficult, and I, I was pulling up things. Rob Kelly had 100 yards against Green Bay. In 2016, oh, not Sunday Seattle, night game, but yeah. I it was. But uh, anyway, um, you know, Kansas City, good team. I think Dallas is a very good team, even though Kansas City seems to have you know everybody on their bandwagon. I'm going, you know, this is before I knew the suspension was being handed down. But I'm going to stay with it. I, I think Dallas finds a way. I'm going Dallas 28, Kansas City 24. Kansas City is a real deal, right? It, yes, it's going to come are. down to can they find a way to get past Pittsburgh in the playoffs? They're going to keep winning 12, 13 games in the regular season. You know, it's just similar to can the Steelers get past the Patriots in the playoffs? Can the Chiefs get past the Steelers? Everybody has that, that one team. You know, the Cowboys are going to be depleted without Zeke, but here's how I look at that. What are the Cowboys sitting? Four and three, right? Do I have that right, Rick? And yeah, you, and you mm-hmm. have and you have the Eagles at seven and one. I just don't envision as well as the Eagles have been playing as much of a struggle it was it was early on for the Cowboys that the Eagles just walk away with this division and the Giants stink and and Washington's going to finish eight and eight or seven and nine nine like they do every year. There's going to be a push here, and if there is, falling to 500 isn't going to be that way. So I'm going to take another stupid re- reason, a stupid way to pick a game without looking at the game itself. I just think the Cowboys have to win this game and find a way to do it. I've got them 29-23. I agree with you, and even with Elliott gone, I mean, isn't Alfred Morris and or Darren McFadden good enough to – Gain significant yardage on a defense that gives up over 130 a game. Yeah, enough I, to where they'll have a legitimate running game to right. let Dak Prescott exactly. win the football game. I agree. Uh, all right, this Sunday night, or I'm going to get to bed early this Sunday night, Rick, is the Dolphins host the Raiders. Don't they have flex options? Why has this game not been flexed out of? I don't know. What a dog game for prime time. And, and the whole thing with, with Miami is, is Jay Cutler going to play? Because we saw what happens uh, when he's – and I feel horrible defending Jay Cutler. It's not a good feeling. No, but I, I think o- Oakland's all over him. I'm going Oakland 31, Miami 16. Yeah, I'm 30-17, so we're right there. Right. Monday night football would have been an interesting one had Aaron Rodgers not been injured as the Packers host the Lions. I think Green Bay keeps it close, but I, I think Detroit is – they're more intact. Aaron Rodgers is gone, and Brent Huntley, I'm not convinced, is uh, – 
the guy, the the heir apparent yet. So uh, I'm going Detroit 24, Green Bay 21. Yeah, look, this is a game on the road. You feel like the Lions could lose, right? But but Hundley was just so bad. <laughs> he really was. And I think even with the bye week, he's not quite there yet. So I I'll also take the Lions. What I have it doesn't matter. 24, 21. All right, Rick, we got to keep moving. It's yeah, time. we got to roll. You've got mail. All right, Rick. Mailbag. All right, we're going to run through these babies. Brady is out. McCowan or Bortles? I'll tell you what, I only hesitate because, again, McCowan's been playing really well. On the surface, this is obviously McCowan. That Buffalo defense is so good at turning the ball. You know what? I'm not going to overthink it. McCown's just been light years better than Bortles from a number standpoint. I'm going to go with McCown here. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. He's just been uh, with his legs, uh, whatever it takes. I mean, Robbie Anderson's starting to, to, you know, make a difference. And no huge numbers. And you're not going to get huge numbers this week with Buffalo, but – I don't think you're going to get a lot of Bortles against Cincinnati no, either, so no. I, I think that's a good pick. Okay, pick two in PPR. Got your little pencil? Oh, I'm ready. Demarius Thomas, Deshaun Jackson, Golden Tate, okay. Jeremy Macklin, and the aforementioned Robbie Anderson. Okay, so I only get two here. I think as much of a struggle as it's been, I think Demarius Thomas is the obvious one there, just based on name brand. Uh, I'm throwing Mackland out. I like what Robbie Anderson did last week, but this is you Buffalo. Gotta go with Tate, right? It's Tate or D. Jackson. I, I nudge Tate ahead of it. That that Green Bay defense isn't very good. They they can be had. Yeah, and I think he's a number one Tate. where D. Jacks isn't. Right. You know, yeah. on top of that. So, yeah, I'm with you, Demarius Thomas, Golden Tate. Okay, and uh, to me, this one's easy. All right, but. You know, I mean, this this guy's tossing it up in the air. And I can see why, because Tennessee's at home against the suspect Baltimore team. But Mariota or Alex Smith? you got to keep going with Alex Smith. He's I a mean, leading just, fantasy quarterback, I get man. why he's yeah. asking it, but no, Alex Smith's a man this year. They're, I agree. He's matchup proof right now. All right. Blow it up, baby. Oh, hold on. i got to get back to my other bank here. Let's blow it up. Should I make this trade in PPR? All right. I was offered Derek Carr and T.Y. Hilton for C.J. Anderson and Des Bryant. My quarterback was Aaron Rodgers, and I had Carson Palmer. Last week, I started Hunley. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess from that standpoint, uh, boy, Hilton. Look. I'll, this is easy for me. Any move that gets C.J. Anderson off of my squad and I can upgrade the quarterback position exponentially. And, look, you're losing a little bit Des to Hilton overall, yeah. but not necessarily on a week-to-week. This is an <laughs> obvious move. I, I take this move. I think you have to. I mean, do you want to – you know, here, here's how I would look. If you were sitting maybe at, like, I don't know, 6-2 – something like that, and not really in danger of being out of the playoffs. Maybe I'd want to see Hunley one more time. Maybe. But then, yeah, you may not get the deal to get a car or somebody. Uh, 
Boy, I tell you what, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think I'd do it. You're going from Brent. You throw Hilton and Dez out. For me, those are non-factors. You're replacing Brent Hundley with Derek Carr, and you're getting C.J. Anderson off of your squad. Those are two things that are – Hey, well, who else do you have, In argument. You know? I don't care. <laughs> Jonathan Stewart? I don't Fine. know. <laughs> Good. Yeah, th- those are two po- very positive things. Which running back should I sit this week in a standard format? All right. Okay, so we have uh, – okay, Bell is on a bye, so I need two. Kelly. Tevin Coleman. All right. Ajayi. Okay. Just those three? That's it. Anybody but Ajayi, unfortunately. Yeah, you got to yeah. sit Ajayi, right? I don't, I don't love Rob Kelly this week, but I don't even know if Ajayi gets a carry. I, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, Tevin Coleman, to me, is an easy start yeah. because he, he's been uh, actually touching the ball more than Freeman. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kelly going against Seattle is nothing that you look forward to, but uh, – at best, Ajayi is going to be the third leg of, right. of a running back by committee. Yeah, and a really mediocre running back by committee at that. Exactly. Goff or Wentz? <laughs> I get why this question comes up. I hate that question. So, Goff got a yeah, – the Giants defense is really stepped up. I don't like going across the country. Wentz, tough matchup at home against the Broncos. But I'll tell you what. Carson Wentz is on the verge of MVP-type numbers. I, I got to ride the hot end. I think his numbers are muted a little bit, but I, you can't sit Carson Wentz right now. You just can't do it. You know, here's Goff going against the 27th-ranked passing defense in the league, giving up almost 260 yards a game. Boy, I tell you, if, if there is a matchup play made in heaven, it's got to be this one. And I understand what you're saying. Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going golf. Oh, okay. In I don't one. hate it. I, I, I get why you're doing it. You know, you don't how – do, how do I put this? If you're shooting for the moon, you know, if, you, if you're starting C.J. Anderson or Jay Ajayi this week and you're shooting for the moon – Maybe it is Jared Goff, right? Because he's your much right. higher upside play. If you're playing it safe, then I think it's Wentz. I don't feel good about sitting Wentz, but this that'd be you're right. That's a situation where you could justify it. Yeah, that would be. I, I agree with you. If you're really looking, shooting for the moon, looking for a win, I think I'm going Goff. But maybe if I'm leading the division, I just go with my hot yeah. hand and not even worry yeah, about it. I, I think that's where I sit with that. One. Blow it up. All right, I love it. This hits home with you because you mentioned this just not long ago. I was offered Jeremy Macklin for Larry Fitzgerald on PPR. I am seriously considering this. Should I? No. 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 Don't, not even don't close, panic. man. You know, it's it's going to be rough times for Larry Fitzgerald, but he's got one important thing working for him, and that's the fact that he's not Jeremy Macklin. So he, he's got that going for him anyhow. Exactly. All right. Here's a defense question. Ooh, we don't get many of those. Seattle defense at home versus Washington. All right. Or New Orleans D at home versus Tampa Bay. Seattle all day long. I I think Tampa Bay could put up 30. They might still lose, but I think Tampa Bay could put up 30. I'm not buying this New Orleans thing. It's going to come back. No, you don't sit the Seattle defense Well, yeah, that's the other thing you just know. You know, as many points as they gave up last week, correct me if I'm wrong, they still picked Deshaun Watson off three times. Right. So they'll they'll get theirs. 
Okay, uh, rolling right along. PPR. <laughs> you know this guy's a product of the bye week. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do I start Mixon or Stewart? It's got to be mixing here. At this point, you're just looking for the upside play, right? They're both going to stink more than likely. Mixon sort of broke out a little bit last yeah, week. Playing, Whatever. playing Jacksonville defense. You're going to have to find a way to move the ball. He's not going to be able to stand back here and wait for A.J. Green to uncover. Maybe finally, finally Marvin Lewis has realized what he has and starts giving ball, the ball to Mixon in space. I just The ceiling's so much higher. You know, what's Stewart's right. ceiling? You know, yeah, 12 carries, 10 maybe, 84. <laughs> 10 points, yeah. You know, Best-case scenario, he gets 12 carries for 84 yards and maybe sneaks into the end zone. You know, right. Mixon, there, there's at least an opportunity there. Right, I agree. Yeah, And, and Bernard's becoming more and more of a non-factor with Cincinnati. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, yeah, the upside with Mixon is there. Okay, final one, ladies and gentlemen. Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, same game. As much as he struggled, still got to be Matt Ryan. I think Cam Newton's done. I think the implosion is here. I think so. I think the the attitude is there, quite frankly, with his uh, you know little hat and his walking yeah. out again. He does have great hats. I'll <laughs> give him that. I do <laughs> yeah. love the hats. I he, wish I could pull off hats like that. I can't do it. Well, your head's square. They, they don't look good on yeah, yours. Yeah, it just doesn't work. He looks great in a hat. He really does. I'll give him that. <laughs> All right. Well, this marathon is over. Let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We apologize for the bye week. Hopefully that's the last one of the year. Keep those questions coming. At Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumsfootball at gmail.com. We'll answer them right up till kickoff. Till next time, we'll see you. Take care. Ain't heard this in a while. I didn't feel like getting up and running in the control room. It's the only one I have on this board, and that's good. up in the truck, it's going down tonight. It's all on me, it's BYOB, and I got all we need. Yeah, boy, I'm about to show me a set of slicker. How to dig it in the sticks with the critters down. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.